chapter 11. It's kind of like our, our verse for the next couple of weeks. A couple of announcements uh, before we get started. Once again, as we said earlier, this Wednesday will be a singles midweek service. That'll be a great time. And also on this Friday will be a uh, Latin ministry and a teen ministry devotional here at the building. So that'll be this Friday, 730. Uh, but I do want to make note, again, reminder, as we talked about earlier, starting next month, for the whole month of May, we're going to have two services. The first one's going to be English at 10 o'clock. The second one, Spanish at 1 o'clock. Latin ministry at 1 o'clock. So I just want to make sure you know that because I know we love the fellowship, but after that first service, we're going to have to fellowship our way on out so that we can have space for the next group to come in. So start practicing now. I know we like to talk, and that's great, but we got to make sure we're being uh, courteous for the next group that's coming in as well, amen? Now, that means don't go outside and talk. That means also they're going to need parking spaces. So we may have to, like, go to somebody's house or have your own hospitality. So next thing you know, everybody's outside. It's like, okay, where's church? Indoors, outdoors? Also, uh, it was a great time at the mother-son bowling night this past Saturday. There were uh, 66 different people there, so that's just a, a lot of connections, a lot going on. So I want you to mark this next thing on your calendar, ladies. Uh, it's going to be a mother-daughter tea time, and that's going to be May 5th at 11 a.m. May 5th at 11 a.m., mother-daughter is going to have a little tea time. I don't know if you're going to have crumpets with the tea, but it's going to be tea time. And that's not golf. I'm talking about this tea you sip. Okay, just to remember, one person got that, but that's all right. Uh, I don't know if there's any more announcements. If so, we'll talk about it later. All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. I'm ready to get into this lesson today. It's going to be a real good one for us here. We've been talking about the people that are in the hall of faith. And so I want to continue in verse 32. It says, and now what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jethro, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Last week, we talked about Barak. And not Barack Obama, Barack, but we talked about him. Today we're going to go into Samson. Now I know that's a story that a lot of people have heard about because of Samson and his great strength, but we're going to look at it in a different way today because there's going to be some things about Samson that you may not have realized before, but hopefully God will give us the wisdom today to realize it. I want to start out by sharing about a lady who had an experience with a jigsaw puzzle. She was putting together a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. And then when she got down to the end, she realized it was missing one piece. So then she took the puzzle back to the store, and the, the cashier was not a puzzle enthusiast. So as she was returning the puzzle, she gave her her refund, and then she said, well, let me ask you a question, ma'am. When did you realize one piece was missing? And that's something to think about. If you're doing a thousand-piece puzzle, when do you realize one piece is missing? When you get towards the end of the puzzle. You spent all that time working on it, sweating on it, struggling on it, and then you realize when it's too late that you've missed something. Samson was a man who realized something too late just as well. He didn't even notice something was missing in his life. Look over in Judges chapter 16, the book of Judges chapter 16. This is, to me, probably what we're going to look at as one of the scariest verses in the Bible. And I say that because sometimes we read it and we read through it so fast we don't even pick up how scary it is. 
But this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Now, I say this, uh, not like, you know, demon scary, but I just need to tell you about it. Judges chapter 16, verse 18. People are falling over to waiting to hear this already. When Delilah saw, everybody there yet? I hear a couple of pages, I'm waiting. When Delilah saw that he had, see, she, when Delilah was trying to get him out of strength. We'll read about this in a minute. And so he said, if you do this, I'll lose my strength. She tried it. You do this, she tried it. Three different times she tried it and nothing worked. So then, here we go, verse 18. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, finally he told her the truth. She sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so he began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. And here it is. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Here's this guy who has been right with the Lord all his life from birth. Thinking God is with me and showing miracle after miracle. And then all of a sudden, this one time he thinks I'm going to go out and do what I always do. And he did not even realize that God had left him. And this is scary because there's a lot of Christians, parentheses, a lot of religious people who do good things but not even realize God has left them. That's why this is so scary. Because there could be people sitting in this auditorium right now, praising the Lord, singing their souls off, and God is not even with you. So, now that I've caught your attention, let's look at this a little bit more. Because he didn't realize it until it was too late. See, what was Samson known for? He was known for his strength. He was known for his, his muscularity, his able ability to conquer and destroy people. But there are some things about Samson. I want to show you the problem. First of all, God left him. See why he had this problem. And then we'll look at the solution towards the end. But until we see how dark and gloomy it is, we won't be as encouraged about the solution. So I got to paint a good picture for you here as we start. So Samson's source of strength. Look in verse 4. Again, Judges 16, verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Now one thing I got to give Delilah, she was just straight out honest with the dude. <laughs> you know, she didn't be down the butt. Okay, how can we tie you up and subdue you? Now, Samson, he was in love, and he thought she did nothing wrong. I love you, baby. You're just joking. So she asked a question, but actually, her question isn't, what is the source of your strength? What she's wanting to know is, where does your weakness lie? What is it about you that is weak? But she asked the question, where is your strength? What is your kryptonite? What is that poisonous element that can make you weak? So what was it that actually caused Samson's weakness? I mean, do you think it really was in his hair? Well, no, because you look. First, it talks about in verse 6 and 7, seven fresh thrones uh, that have tied me up. That's never been used. You know what? He busted right out of that when the Philistines came. Next, he said, have you put new ropes on me? So they tied him up in his sleep. 
She said, Philistines are upon you. He busts right out of that. Then he said, well, if you weave seven braids of my, my hair into the fabric, weave them in, wove it into his fabric, boom, he busts right out of that. Every time it occurred, he just busted out of it with no problem whatsoever. So then, after the third time, here comes Delilah with the great manipulation. The manipulation of all manipulations. Now, this is not a bash woman lesson. But I got to say, she was good at manipulating. Look in verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say you love me when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. So he told her everything. No razor has been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he's told me everything, so the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called the man and shaved off the seven braids of his hair so that he began to subdue him, and his strength left him. And she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Here's the thing. They cut Samson's hair. But with Samson's hair, it, it wasn't just about his hair. Because in all actuality, if Samson was bald, he still could have been as strong as he was. It's like uh, the, the, uh, uh, Jericho. You know, God told him to walk around it seven times before the walls fell. Did they really need to walk around it seven times? I mean, he could have knocked the walls down when he wanted. But here was the thing about Samson. Look in chapter 13, Judges chapter 13, verse 1. In verse 1 it says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man from Zorah named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy will be, is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So what was it about Samson? His hair wasn't the issue. The fact that his hair was actually a part of his vow to God. It was a part of his commitment to God, set apart from birth. This is the way he needs to live his life. So he was in a commitment to God. Once his hair was cut, it wasn't the issue of his hair, but his commitment and vow to God had been cut. That's why God left him. Not because he cut his hair, but because he broke his commitment and vow to God. God took away his power because he took away that personal relationship that he had with God. Now, if you think about it, this is the amazing part. He said he did not even know that God had left. Samson had become weak and didn't know it. But to be clear, Samson, again, wasn't weak because he lost his hair, but because he lost his connection with God. So if his hair wasn't the real source of his weakness, was it his sin? Well, let's look at this for a minute. Judges 16, verse 1. So his hair being cut was part of his downfall because there he lost his commitment to God. But here's another part of his downfall in chapter 16, verse 1. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. 
he went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here, so they summoned, surrounded the place, and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. Now, first of all, we find Samson visiting a prostitute. No man of God should ever be visiting a prostitute. And here he is, visiting a prostitute. Then a few verses later, he's at another woman's house. I mean, this man was involved in immorality after immorality after immorality. But then if we look, keep reading here again in verse 2, the people of Gaza was told, Samson is here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made a, no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So we look at this and we think, well, wait a minute. Now Samson went to visit a prostitute. He was obviously immoral, but yet he still had this great strength enough to tear down these pillars and carry him about 30 miles. So that's kind of, I don't understand, that's a little bit confusing. If he was in so much sin, how could he still have such great strength? Well, see, this is what happens. When you start to be immoral, it slowly creeps day after day after day. First he visited the prostitute, then next he went on to another woman, then next he went on to Delilah. I mean, he just kept going and going and going. But here's the amazing thing about it. Yes, he did have strength after that point, but let me point out a couple of other times that he had major strength. Look in chapter 14, Judges 14, verse 6. Judges 14, verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Then look at verse 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. He went down to Ashlon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Then look in chapter 15, verse 14. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him, shouting, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, with the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with the donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With the donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. Samson was a rapper from the beginning. But here's the thing. Every one of these times he did this, it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him. But when he sinned with the prostitutes and then he had that strength, it did not say that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. So God could not be with him even when he did that great feat because of the sin that he was involved in. But this is where it gets even more interesting. Every time he, he displayed his strength, the Spirit of the Lord was with him. But in Judges 16, 20, again, it said the Lord had left him and he did not even know it. So obviously, Samson's ultimate weakness was not just his sin, was not just his hair. But here's the problem. A lot of times, even as Christians, we can do certain things. We can be so involved in what we do that we don't realize, even though I'm doing a bunch of stuff, God may not be with me. Because, see, he carried these pillars off, and he thought, even though I sin, I still have my great strength. So he carried on with life. And that's what many people do. They get involved in sin, and they just say, I'm just going to say a little prayer to God, and it's all good. Don't worry about it. I can carry on because they see their life still being able to be the same way without dealing with their sin. And that's where Samson was. You know what, I did this, so you know what, I still must be okay because I have this strength. 
So we think, you know what? Nothing bad has happened to me, so I can still do the sin that I'm involved in. And that's how sin slowly creeps into your life. I don't have to really resolve this with somebody because you know what? I'm still able to have a good quiet time. I'm still able to pray. I'm happy with my job. I didn't lose my job. So you know what? This bitterness that's brewing right here, I don't really have to resolve that. It can just stay there for a while. Because see, we can get duped just like Samson got duped. He was in sin, but he still had his strength for a moment there, and so he thought everything was fine. We can be involved in some stuff that is against what God says, but yet still conduct ourselves as if nothing's wrong. I've seen so many fake Christians living a double life, but they come to church and you would think they are the prophet themselves, that they are just, whoo, Lord Jesus. I mean, they ain't the loudest people, but yet they have a whole different life. From the moment they get in the car, on the bus, on the way home from church, got a different attitude than when they're around Christmas. Because they got to put on that show instead of being what they are naturally. If Samson's weakness didn't lie entirely in his hair or entirely in the fact that he was sexually immoral, where did it lie? What, what destroyed him? What destroyed the strongest man in history? What was his kryptonite? Simply this. It was his pride. It was his pride in his strength. You got to realize this guy has never been beaten up in his life. He killed thousands of people. He ripped a lion apart with his bare hands. In his mind, he was the man. He had a position. He had a title. People knew him all over the country. They knew who Samson was. When you say Samson, everybody just knew Samson. And in his pride, it led him to being what he was. It led him to believe that, you know what? I slept with a prostitute. But because I'm Samson, it's all right. You know what? I was in an ungodly relationship with a Philistine woman named Delilah, but because I'm Samson, it's all right. I'm sleeping with Delilah night after night. I know God said, don't be with them. They're Philistines. But because I'm Samson, it's all right. People can think, because I'm in the church, I can do this and it'll be all right. Because my family Christians, it'll be all right. Because I'm in the campus ministry, because I'm in the singing, it's all right. You know what? You're going to wake up one day and you're not going to realize that God had left you. It's not all right just because you are who you think you are. It's not all right because that's how you feel it should be. Samson's physical strength was the, was the source of his weakness. Other men of power and prestige have said the same thing. President Nixon said, if the president does it, it can't be illegal. President Clinton's preacher declared, sexual immorality does not automatically render a leader immoral. The current, I ain't gonna get started. How many athletes do we see that feel like they can do whatever they want without consequences? This modern day generation feels entitled. They deserve certain things because of who they are and what's happened to them. And again, so-called Christians feel and act entitled. But they forget Jesus did all the work. We didn't do nothing. He's the one that did it all. So Samson figured, like Nixon, if I do it, it's not a sin. Like Clinton, if I did it, it's no big deal. Like your current president, you can think whatever you want about a value of a woman. And he just slept with whoever he wanted because he's Samson. The pride in people can be the downfall in people. And we'll sin and we'll say, you know what, this is between me and God, so I don't need to talk about this or anything. I, 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 I don't need to get into all this. We need to remember Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. 
Well, you don't realize I'm doing good. I feel better than I ever have. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, God warns us, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel like you need to doubt your conversion or that you're not really a Christian. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. We ain't in the state of the Bible to everybody all over again. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying, you need to check yourselves. Because so many times we feel like because we are who we are, because I'm in the true church, because I'm in the kingdom of God, because I'm, it's too many eyes in that sentence. And it needs to be about God. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people in our fellowship of churches that aren't making it to heaven. Even though they've been in 10, 20, 30 years, and they're going to sit here and praise all this. I've been to every seminar since Boston way back in the, hot, hell is still hot. It doesn't matter how long you've been in or how long not. But don't, ooh, that was a ride, wasn't it? I didn't even try and do that. But don't get caught up in who you are. Don't do it. We look at this and we say, that's why a lot of people don't become Christians because they're more concerned about what everybody else is doing and they need to just focus on themselves. That's true. But when you become a Christian, you can do the same thing. You know, you ain't serving the kids' kingdom. You ain't bringing up visitors to church. You ain't doing, what you doing? We're so concerned about everybody else. We need to take a self-evaluation because we can all have a little bit of Samson in us thinking that we're above whatever it may be. Listen, just because I'm the preacher here, you see my kids running around doing something, you need to snatch them up and get them in order. And see, it wasn't enough amens on that, and here's the reason why. Don't put the preacher on a pedestal, because I'm just like you. Secondly, you ain't doing that enough, and you don't want people doing it to your kids, so you don't do it to other people's kids. You open yourself up so people can help. But see, we're still in that just back off me mode. I don't want you really in my life. You need people in your life. Why? Because maybe, maybe God has left you and you don't see it, but other people see it. So do you want them to wake you up or do you want to stay lost? It's a very simple thing. His pride was his downfall. Do not get caught up in your religious pride. I don't have any religious pride. You need to make sure somebody's in your life because that's where Samson was. Nobody was in his life. Why? Because he was Samson. There's nobody in your life because of who you are. The Bible says in James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Our pride can lead us to look to ourselves for strength instead of looking to God. Our pride can lead us to lean on our own understanding when faced with temptation instead of going to God. Our pride can make us look anywhere but to God when we have to make decisions in our lives. The story of Samson was a story of a man who, out of pride and arrogance, chose not to abstain from sin. Okay, I gotta stay focused. There's so many things I wanna talk about. In the end, Samson suffered not because his hair was cut, but because of his pride. I, I, I'm trying to get this point across as best I can. Are you so prideful that you have stopped letting people get involved in your life? See, this isn't about the church. This ain't about what happened way back 10 years ago. This ain't about what's going. This is about have you stopped letting people in your life because of your pride? You don't need to know my business. What happens in my house stays in my house. You don't need to get involved. I don't think that's how the disciples were. Matter of fact, I know that's not how they were because that's what the Bible says. But we got to make sure that our pride is not leading us down. And sometimes we think, well, man, I've been like this so long. I've done so much. Will God forgive me? 
says in Hebrews 8.12, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Listen, it doesn't matter how jacked up you've been or are right now. God will forgive you and not only forgive you, but not even remember what you've done. Now, you got to get over it yourself because sometimes we are our own worst enemy. We remember everything. But God is like, if I don't remember it, why are you stuck on it? God is saying, listen, I will forgive you and I won't even bring it up ever. But see, the kind of people we are, we bring stuff up all the time. We still talk about what people did back in 2002. See how quiet it was? See what I mean? Look back in Judges 16, verse 25. In his final moments, the Bible tells us this. They subdued Samson, they took him in, they gouged out his eyes. Then they brought him out so he could entertain them for sport in the big Coliseum. In verse 25, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can fill the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and on all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Amazing story about Samson. Because we look at all that happened and we think, well, how did this guy end up in the hall of faith? If he was that prideful, he had that many issues, how did he end up? Well, we see at the end of his life, things change. Now, look at chapter 15, verse 3. Let me show you what I mean. When he takes vengeance on the Philistines, in verse 3, Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. Now again, in chapter 16, verse 28, then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines from my two eyes. Now he's still seeking revenge, but there's a different spirit in Samson at this time. The second time, he's now acting like an agent for God instead of an agent for Samson. See, in the beginning it was, now I have a right to be angry. But now that he's humbled out, he said, God, please use me. God, please help me. God, I mean, it's more for God's sake than for his. And then in the end, it says, when that occurred and the pillar came down, the Colosseum came down, he killed many more people in his death than he did when he was alive. Now imagine if he had been asking to be used as an agent of God all his life, how much more he would have accomplished. Because for the duration of his life, it was all about him. The end of his life was about God. And it ended in a way that he glorified God more than during his life. We look at this and we ask ourselves, are there times that I feel like I have a right to be the way that I am? That's exactly what Samson said. I have a right to be like this. Again, that was in his pride. Because he was Samson, he felt like he had a right to be like this. This is why most people don't forgive other people. Because when you're hurt, and you may legitimately be hurt, then you say, I have a right to be angry. 
because you hurt me. I'll forgive you, but I, I need to tell you how I feel. Let me get my pound of flesh first, and then I will forgive you. I'm going to say something else. I need a little bit more amens in here. Let me break it down a little bit more. Husband and wife, do you have a right to feel the way you feel towards your spouse? Because of all you put up with for so long, and for how they talk to you, and how they treat you, how they disrespect you, you have a right to be the way you are? Or, because you're a disciple, you're not going to retaliate? You're not going to make any threats? When you suffer, you're going to trust him who judges justly? That's the way Jesus did. So think about your last argument, or the one that's going to happen after this sermon. Do you have a right to be the way you are? See, even Apostle Paul says, even though I have the right, I give up all my rights. It's not about me. Samson was about him. Everything was about him. And in his pride, that led him to God leaving him. It wasn't his hair. It wasn't his just his immorality. It was even in his pride. That's why he was immoral. That's why he let his hair get cut. You can cut my hair, but I'm still Samson, so I'm still going to have my strength. In his pride, God said, I can no longer take how prideful you are. And God left him. Now, here's the thing. God didn't give him a warning. If you don't change, I'm going to leave you in three days. No, he went to bed, woke up, things were different. God's not going to give you a time frame to make sure and hope that you repent. He's telling you now, this is what needs to happen. So either you do it now, or it's not going to happen. He's done with you. See, so many times we want to devise a plan of repentance. And let's go through this plan of repentance. Seriously? God didn't give Samson a plan of repentance. Jesus didn't have a plan of preparation for the cross. I mean, he had to do what they had to do. So listen, what lesson can we learn here from Samson? One, we need to recognize the real source of our strength. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him that he will make your paths right. When things get challenging, when things get stressful, where do you go? Is that when you snap and become angry? Is that when you get full of anxiety? Is that when you start mistrusting? Is that when you start, you got to take control and make sure you... When things get challenging, where do you go? To the Lord or to yourself? There's so many people dealing with their, struggling with this or that. Seriously, you don't get to struggle that long, guys. If you're in the middle of the Hudson River, in the middle of it, how long do you think you're going to be struggling in the middle? It ain't going to be too long before you're done. Your struggling don't last that long. But we stretch it out as for the sake of Jesus and struggle for 13 years with anger, with looking on impure websites, struggling with drinking and smoking. You know what? You did not have a, a time frame of repentance. God said, you stop it or I'm gone. What caused it? Samson's downfall was this. He broke his covenant, his vow with God. He broke it. He should not have let his hair get cut. It wasn't about the hair. It was about his commitment and vow to God. See, we have vows and commitments to God. We say, God, every week I'm going to give you this much financially. Are you breaking that covenant that you're making with God? Are you fulfilling that vow? You say, God, I'm going to deny myself daily. That's what a disciple does. Are you breaking that vow? Are you getting up to have your times with God in the morning? You say, I'm going to live a pure life. Are you watching what you shouldn't be watching? Are you looking the way you shouldn't be looking? Are you living a pure life? See, you've made vows to God. The question is, are you breaking those vows day after day? 
Because what's going to happen is one of these days you're going to wake up and he is not going to be there with you. His sin caused him to have God leave him. Guys, it's not that we will never sin. We are all going to sin. But you know what? We've got to confess those sins. We need to get help. And we need to have prayer so we can be healed. And ultimately, his pride cost him everything. But in the end, Samson humbled out. And instead of living for himself, he started living for God. Again, it doesn't matter how bad things have been or how bad things are now. All you have to do is take it to God, make a decision to be different. And God says, not only do I forgive you, but I will remember those sins no more. Don't walk away here wondering about your salvation. That's not what needs to happen. You need to walk away more confident in living for God from this moment on. That nothing's going to hold you back, nothing's going to turn you to the right or to the left, but that you are going to walk right with God. You're not going to let pride keep people out of your life. You're going to welcome people in your life. You're going to make the right decisions day after day to fulfill your vow to God and to God be the glory. Amen.